0: All right, well, what does the Bible have to say about sex exactly? Does it have anything to say? It actually has quite a bit to say. Uh, a lot comes out of it, but the reality is, is that though time has changed, and I'll tell you one of my favorite things about the Bible, is that regardless of when it was pinned down, we can take it today, it is not old, it is not ancient it is eternal, it is timeless, and that no matter what we are facing in life, or what generation or culture you are a part of, you can take any topic and you can address it with the Bible. If last we can get together and we can insert Facebook and Instagram and social media and find out exactly what the Word of God has to say about it, I'm pretty sure that we can find out tonight what God has to say about sex. But the reality, your generation is very different than the generations before it. In fact, it's rapidly increasing that your generation is already dramatically different than your parents' generation, not just great, 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 great grandfathers. There's already a huge gap in perspective and in response to this very issue. You guys are two and a half times more likely to have sex before marriage than your parents' generations were. Two and a half times more likely, 97% of America will have sex before they are married. Only 3% will wait until their wedding day to have sex. That is a problem. Now, if you are part of your culture, as you obviously are, you're like, well, what's the problem with that? The problem is, you say, what's the problem with that? That's the problem. It is one of the biggest most devastating things when mishandled and yet when used rightly or treated rightly or applied rightly to a relationship, which is found within the word of God, it is one of the biggest blessings that you could ever partake of. You are almost 70% more likely to say it's okay to live with each other before marriage than your parents would. 70% more likely, what has happened In 20 or 30 years, why is there such a massive shift and a massive change in this perspective that 97% of you theoretically will sleep with someone before you're married and 70% of you will say, yeah, it's okay to live together, which by the way, you're never going to live together without sleeping together, right? There's this beautiful girl that you're radically attracted to and you love with your whole life and we should live in the same house and I'll put my bed over in this room and you put your bed over in this room and we'll never sleep together, you're out of your mind. And yet we pretend like we can handle this gigantic power, this overwhelming urge to be drawn to whether it's a boy or it's a girl. You hear all kinds of crazy things, different things. I remember when I first got married, it's crazy what has changed. Before we got married, and I think I've shared this with a few of you, that I remember I was so excited. I was engaged. I was like, yeah. Dude, I found the most radically amazing, beautiful, holy, Jesus-loving, encouraging woman that's ever walked the face of the planet. She is awesome. Hey, uh, Chris, a good friend of mine, I'm going to get married. And his dad's like, what? I was, yeah, barely turned 20 at the time, got engaged, and he's like, you're getting married? Yeah? Get a life, not a wife, man. Like, oh. I mean, talk about Sucking all the joy out of your heart in that moment. But looking now, why did he have that perspective? So I'll tell you right now, marriage is probably the most radical thing you could ever experience when done God's way. There is no relationship on earth like it. It's incredible. But when mistreated or when neglected and things go wrong, Great power can bring great devastation. People will say stuff about sex, right? Oh, if it feels good, do it. Yeah, if it feels right, or mad, oh my gosh, things have changed. Today, I was looking up on internet and trying to do research and stuff, and I typed in why you should wait before marriage, and the first 20 things, the links that showed up, or why you shouldn't wait before marriage, why you shouldn't wait, why you shouldn't wait, why, like, what is going on? This is out of control. This is crazy. And you read people, well, if, you're, if it feels right in your heart, just go with it. You know, that's what murderers do too, right? It feels right to them to kill that person so they do it. Is that good? No. That's what kidnappers do. I want that kid. I'm going to take that kid. Is that good? No. Stealing stuff. I want their jacket. I want that iPad. I want that stuff. I'm going to take it. It's in their heart. That's, that's what's in their heart, man. Just go with what feels right. Fine. Give me your phone. What? No, it's mine. But then we're like, hey, she's hot. Just go for it, bro. Okay. All of a sudden, all the rules change. All the rules change. But I'll tell you why. Because we've convinced ourselves that sex and love are the same thing. And they are not. And we've also convinced ourselves that sex and marriage have nothing to do with each other. And yet they have everything to do with each other we've taken both ends and flipped them inside out, upside down and backwards. It's incredibly tragic. Then there's the excuse, but he loves me. No, he doesn't. That's so sad. It's sad. It is sad. But don't ever think, ladies, that, oh, well, uh, we're gonna hook up and we make out and we do all this stuff together, right? We get real cozy. Because he loves me. No, he doesn't. He loves doing that stuff with you. I'm telling you right now. How do you know? I'm a guy. (laughs) I know how guys think. And guys, you'll be convinced. I'll tell you right now. You'll be convinced early on that you genuinely do love her. You won't understand this until later on in life. And so I ask you now, listen to the words of a father in Proverbs chapter 5. He said, please listen to my words. Listen to this wisdom. Hide it in your heart. That you may not lose what in your life is the power and the wisdom and the knowledge. Trust me. Guys, you might think, oh, I love her. That's why I want to make out with her. They have nothing to do with each other. He loves me. Okay, tell him, if you really love me, we're not going to make out anymore. We're not going to have sex anymore. Well, I can't do that. Why? He'll leave me. Is there there a problem? I thought he loves you. He does, but if I stop, he won't love me anymore. He doesn't love you. He loves what he gets to do with you, but he doesn't love you. Started off kind of heavy tonight, huh? It's a heavy topic. It's one that if we treat lightly and we pretend to just dance around it, it will consume us every inch of it. If he loves you, he'll wait for you. I hate this thing, but people say it all the time. I had my best friend at the time tell me like, what, you guys didn't, you guys didn't have sex before marriage? Uh, no. Oh man, you never buy a car without test driving it. Did you just call my wife a car? She's not a car. She's a daughter of Jesus Christ, the God almighty, man. She's not a car. Now look at that very saying, and trust me, you laugh now. Oh, you're gonna hear it a lot. You have a handful of life left to live as a youth. You're going to hear a lot of these things. Gentlemen, they're not objects. They are people that Jesus Christ died for. Ladies, you're not objects. You are loved by your creator. Your salvation has been paid for by your savior. You are a daughter of the most high king. And gentlemen, we live in a weird world, but the same is true for you. You are a son of God. It's wild. People say I read it today, I heard it today, over and over and again, I saw this reoccurring theme. Oh uh, man, waiting for marriage is outdated. You know what's crazy though? You keep doing your research and it's true. Waiting for marriage is outdated, but so are good marriages. Those are outdated also. You won't find people waiting for marriage and you won't find people happy in marriage either. You think there's a correlation? You think there's a link? You think there's something they might have to do with one another? Very, 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 very much so. It's wild to think about. But the reality is when we talk about this issue of sexuality and intimacy and purity and all of these things, God created it. God created sex. What? He did. Did he create Adam the way he created him? Yes. Yes. Did he create Eve the way he created Eve? Yes. Did he happen to allow them to fit together? Yes. He created it. And then he commanded it. It's wild. Genesis chapter 1. Let me read this to you. People don't like to give God credit where credit is due, unfortunately. But it's amazing. Genesis chapter 1. What if I told you God wants you to have sex? Right? He says, yep. Good stuff. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Guys, there's a reoccurring theme throughout Genesis chapter 1. Let me see if you can find it. When he created stuff, he said, and he created it, and the day was the first day, and it was? Ah, yeah. oh, good. And the second day he created it, and it was? Yeah. Okay, and so he makes the birds of the air and the animals in the sea, and it was? Yeah. Good. And he creates all the stuff, and it was? Yeah. And then he creates two people who can have sex, and it is? Yeah. Oh, you're like, I don't know. It's, guys, God didn't mess up. He's not, oh, dang it. What did I do? In fact, within marriage, it's incredible what takes place. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds, over the air, over the cattle. They are it. They're not like animals. You are not like Animals. People will say all the time, oh, we just have our our instincts. And so we're just driven to have relationships with people. We're just driven to be physical because it comes out of our instincts and our ancient animals. We're animals too. No, you're not. You are human beings. You're the only piece of all creation made in the image of God called to a holy standard for God is holy. Holy. Give them dominion, it means to have power over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Both are made in the image of God. One is not less than the other. Don't ever think one is greater than the other. One is called to lead, and one is called to follow, to support to encourage, but neither is less valuable. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God just said, to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion or power over all the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then we keep reading, you're like, right? That's a really nice way. God said, hey, Adam, yeah. Remember that girl I made? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man. Uh, I mean Eve, like, but whoa! Yep, sure do. By the way, how many people did Adam have to date before he found her? None, right? Zero. Did he even have to date her? No. Did they have to have sex first to find out they were compatible? Do you kiss good? Guess what? If your wife, gentlemen, if your wife is the only one you kiss, guess how good she kisses. She's the best kisser you will have ever kissed on the face of the planet. How will I know? She's the only one. <laughs> She's it. Ladies, same thing. If you keep that stuff for your husband, he's gonna be the best kisser on the face of the planet. You won't care. It's when we start sampling everyone else's lifestyles that we get really confused. God said, go forth and multiply. Before the first chapter in the Bible is over, God says, Adam, Eve, yeah. Go enjoy each other. God says that's good. God says that's great. God says it's fine within. It's within the context of marriage. But here's the thing about physical relationships. Okay, we are created to never be satisfied with it. What do you mean? It's an insatiable desire. Sexual desires is an insatiable desire, okay? Uh, if you light a fire up in the forest full of dead branches and pine needles and stuff, is it just going to stay about five inches by five inches and like, or is it going to catch the whole mountain on fire? It's going to want to eat up more and more and more and more. And Proverbs really, really, really warns us, you're out of your mind. If you think you can carry burning logs in your arms and not burn your chest, you're out of your mind. Because sexual desires were created to drive you further and further and for more and more. What does that mean? It means yeah, you might start off just holding hands, right? And you'll hold hands until there's a pool of sweat piling up, and you're like, it, "Yeah, it's gross, right?" But why? Because this physical thing takes control. It's nasty. It's gross. There's probably bacteria growing between your fingers and weird stuff. But you say "ew," but then you're gonna go do it. It's like, what the heck? But after a while, that becomes common, so then it's like the the arm thing. You're so uncomfortable, you're walking like, (laughs) what what is that? And then it's the peck on the cheek, and then it's the kiss, and then it continues to escalate. I can control myself. You were never designed to have to control yourself. God never created you to have to control yourself. Why do you think it's so hard? Why is this so hard, man? How come I can't just kiss her and not want to do more? How come I can't just do this? And then how come, why does it always have to go to the next thing? You are never supposed to have to stop yourself halfway through. Why? Imagine if you're like, oh yeah, kissing's fine. I don't care about anything else. I'm actually bored of this. This is, I'm just done. And you get married. Like, you're boring. I don't like kissing you anymore. I don't like hanging out with you anymore. Your your palms are sweaty. That's nasty. What's wrong with you, wife? Like that'd be the saddest thing in the world. That'd be so right, wouldn't that be so sad? You've been married for five years and you're like, I'm tired of you. What? Now, you act like that's what I say. Are you kidding? We've been married next Saturday. Actually, this Saturday, 11 years married. Freaking awesome. And I'll tell you what. I've experienced both sides of this coin. I know what it's like to throw your heart into a situation that you thought it could handle, only to have it go through a blender and come out the other side completely destroyed. And I know it's like to experience a relationship the way God designed it. And it is incredible. It is amazing that when you invest into marriage and you wait for marriage, guys, it's not that far off. Most of you will be seriously dating and potentially engaged within the next 10 or more years. 10, 11, 12 years. That's not that far away. And you now have the power to screw up the rest of your lives or to invest into the rest of your lives. We're never created to slow yourselves down. It was created to be within marriage so that after 11 years, you still love your wife. And after 15 years, you still love your wife. And after 30 years, guess what? You're still like, man, she's hot. Like, yeah. That's awesome. Proverbs chapter 5. Dude, Proverbs 5. Proverbs crazy stuff. Proverbs chapter 5. Is God really for that? He wants you to like get married he's okay with this stuff? Big time. Why do we think, look, we're told sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. Don't do it, don't do it. It's It's bad, 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 it's bad. No, it's not. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's awesome, it's great, it's amazing. Okay? When it's within marriage, outside of it, it is incredibly destructive. Proverbs chapter five Halfway through, it says, look, drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your foundations be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. I don't have a well, dude. Like, what are you talking about? What is a cistern? Like, I have a sister. What are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Your parents ever have the talk with you? I hope. Some of you guys are like, they tried, they fainted halfway through, <laughs> they counted it, but no. Okay. Well, remember, this is a father writing to his son, and so he's being as artistic as possible. Uh, so, your water jug and cistern with the well and the streets with the water. You good? He's probably like, ah. <laughs> you all right, Dan? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me explain it to you. And then dad gets real, real clear here. And God makes it real clear. But what dad's trying to illustrate, trying to describe, what makes the guy, are you feeling all right? Yeah, he does. He, he feels fine. He says, look, it, drink water from your own well or your own cup. All right. Could you imagine we all take off during the summertime and go to In-N-Out and everyone's eating. And you just walk around and start biting on everyone's cheeseburger and sucking out half of everyone's drink. Right? And of course you backwatch some of their cheeseburger into their drink but it came out of your mouth. Is that okay? That's not okay? Or what if you were standing at the door and everyone was coming in and you're it's hot out, you got your big gulp and you're sitting there and, welcome to church and everyone that walks by just sucks on the straw to your drink. And you just see crumbs of stuff and it's floating and you're like uh. Nope, I'm going to throw that away, right? we and laughing, <laughs> okay, hold on. Look, you don't walk around sucking on weird people's drinks, right? Do you? Some of you do, all right. You don't do that. You only share with friends. You know you're still getting their backwash, their saliva, and their germs in your mouth? Yeah, you know you what know stays there for one to three years? What? Okay, hold on, let me pull you in here, what is he saying, what is he saying, Like we freak out about a, a big gulp or a cheeseburger, that's nasty, that's gross, then why do we think it's okay to run around and kiss a bunch of people? Oh. Oh, well that's different, oh really? All right, he says, look, your own cup, you drink from your own cup, you stick near your own will, you don't go running around taking from everyone else and sampling this and piece of that and see what this is like and experience this and eventually you'll come back to your well and, and eventually you'll settle down and eventually you'll get married and eventually you'll stay there, but you're going to bring all this other stuff with you, you don't do that says you drink from your own well that's your marriage. He's trying to say son, you can make out with your wife, you can have fun with your wife, you can cuddle with your wife, whatever, but stay there. No one else. No one else. What if I'm not married yet? Is she your wife? No. Hands off. But I'm not married yet. Is she your wife? No. Only your wife. Are you getting it? Ladies. Only your husband has the right to touch you. No one else. But he says he loves me. <laughs> and tell him to show you how much he loves you from 10 feet away. All right? Or kick him. Okay, well, that's just your interpretation. No, the father gets pretty clear. Drink water from your own cistern, right? Don't suck on everyone else's big gulps and eat their cheeseburgers. You hang out with your wife. Have fun with your wife. Are you sure that's what it's saying? Yep. Verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice. Is be glad with cheer with your wife, with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Uh, let her satisfy you at all times times, and always be enraptured. This is awesome. We're delighted beyond measure. Always be delighted beyond measure with your wife. For why should you, my son, be enraptured or tangled up by an immoral woman? Why would you go give yourself to the world when God's very best is waiting for you? This is be enraptured. Joy beyond measure. Go for it. Be satisfied with it. Hang out. I created. I told Adam before that was even over. Before I closed the first chapter of the first book in the Bible, go multiply. Hang out with your wife, Adam. Why? Something very unique takes place within marriage. You know what's amazing is that when you look at people who have sex before marriage, and you look at people who wait to have sex until they're married, some pretty incredible things happen. Now let me tell you something. The longer we live, the more we find out, right? Science finds out more stuff, statistics become more clear, and all these studies give us more knowledge. You know, all the world is doing is proving God right. This has been here for a long time. The statistics are new, and it's not like, well, because you gave me percentages tonight, I'll listen to you. It's because the word of God says it, that we should listen to. This stuff might fuel our fire. It might get our attention. But God said it well before we had statistics and study groups. Psychologists have found out that couples who wait until after their wedding night, they rated the stability of their relationship 22% higher than those who had a physical relationship that developed before marriage. You will be 22% happier in your marriage if you wait to have sex until you're married than people who might not get divorced but they just kind of say things to young kids like, get a life, not a wife, man. He's, he's still married. I'm very curious how much he enjoys it. 22% more. From what? From waiting. Wait. And by the way, Rick, but, but I'm getting older. You're a teenager, right? Let's say you get married at 25, you're like 50 years to do whatever you want. Just hang tight, 20%. There's a 20% increase with relationship satisfactory. You're gonna love your wife 20% more, enjoy being around her. You'll actually want to be around your wife, imagine that. Some of you guys can't, you're like, I cannot imagine my parents are married but I have not seen them even look at each other. I get it. It doesn't have to be you. What kind of marriage do you want? What kind of life do you want? What kind of family do you want? 20% increase in relationship satisfaction, 12% better communication. You're actually going to talk, and when you argue, you'll figure it out faster, uh, all kinds of radical stuff. You're going to communicate way better if you wait until you are married, right? There's always a counterfeit, though. There is always, 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 always a counterfeit, all the time. Whatever God does, Satan tries to trick, cover up, dissolve, confuse, disguise, uh, lead you astray. And so we're to a point where we're convinced sex and love must be the same thing. Because Hollywood says it, right? We see these passionate videos and these uh, incredible moments of romance in the movies. That must be love. No, it's called sexual immorality, fornication, and adultery. It's sin. It's not love. Well, everything I watch, people are sleeping together, living together, and they're not married yet, so maybe sex has nothing to do with marriage. It has everything to do with marriage. It is a counterfeit to think that you can find some kind of happiness outside of God's will. There's always a counterfeit. And can I encourage you guys something? I get it, lust is powerful. When you're really attracted to someone, it is very powerful. It, it shuts down half your brain, it seems like, and you're just like, uh, drooling on yourself. I get it. But if that's what you're attracted to, that's probably all you'll get. If all you go after is the physical state of someone in the moment, all you'll get is their physical state in the moment. Ladies, I'll let you know, and gentlemen, a man of God will agree And if you disagree tonight, you need to spend some time with Jesus. But modesty, right? The world mocks it. (laughs) Modesty. Yes, modesty. Meaning dressing in such a way that you're not trying to attract people. You're not putting bait on a hook. You're not selling yourself short. You're not presenting just your skin. Modesty. Genuine modesty from a woman who loves God is probably the most beautiful thing on the face of the planet. You don't hear it, you don't see it, and you're not told that. You're told, try and show off, try and one up, try and show a little more, or dress down a little bit. That is not beautiful. Modesty is truly the most beautiful thing a guy will ever desire. At least the guy's worth going for. And gentlemen, a lady that's selling herself short, you don't want it. In the Bible times, when they'd write about this stuff, they would oftentimes talk about the ladies who would dress down and they'd get themselves so dressed up all, all to the max because they had nothing else to offer but their appearance. When a woman is so invested, so invested, I'm not saying you have to walk around in you know, plastic bags and camel hair, grow a fake mustache or something. I don't know. Like, You don't have to be ugly, but a woman who overly emphasizes her beauty may be letting you know there's not much on the inside. Be very, very careful. When we talk about all of this stuff, I think you can throw the next slide up. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Honor is not something we hear much about, but marriage is honorable. Marriage is honorable amongst all, and the bed, it is undefiled. God's for it, not against it. He just says, wait for it. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. When it says that it's honorable, it is of great price. It is precious, that wedding night. Save it, guard it, take care of it. Do not let it go. Be very, very careful. You know what's awesome? He says it's undefiled. You don't have to hide. Some of you guys know. You've had a boyfriend or girlfriend behind your parents' back. Guys, if you have to hide it and run from it and pretend like you're not and all of this stuff, it stinks. Even if you're good at it, you know the weight and the burden and the guilt and the shame. If my parents find out I'm dead and all of this stuff, good grief. That weight will kill you. Wait until it's God's time and you don't got to hide anything. But before God's time, you have to hide it all, and it will bring guilt and shame. But sex is uniquely special. It does a very different impact than anything else on our lives. It's said in Genesis 2, but Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is answering them, and he says to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife? And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Wait, what? Yeah. When you have sex with someone, God says you are one body. Yes. I don't understand. Fine. It's a mystery. It's mysterious. It doesn't make sense, but it is true. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had like a liver transplant or something right? If you're dying and you need a liver and someone gives you a liver or or not your liver, your kidney, whatever. They give you something you need and they got an extra one, right? And it's in there. Imagine a year later, they're like, I want it back. And they just reach in and rip it out. That would feel so good. Best day of my life is when you ripped out my kidney. That just felt so... We laughed. Guys, that is exactly what happens when you have sex with someone. God says, you have now become one flesh. And when you try and separate that, there is an amount of tearing that takes place that is indescribable. That's why it says, let no man separate. They've become one flesh. Do not tear it apart. Do not. Do not tear it apart. And so be very careful what you join yourself to. I don't know who came up with the lie of safe sex. There isn't any. Uh, there isn't any. I don't care what you do. It doesn't exist. Outside of marriage, there is no such thing as safe sex. There's an article put out by something called The Telegraph. There's a, a timeline you can throw up here, three different dates on it, 1979, 1990, and 2013. They did a, a study to find out How many kids were being born into uh, homes with a mom and a dad, where they were married or where there was just uh, unwed, they're out of wedlock. And so 1979, you can throw the statistic up there, 90% of kids back in 1979 were being born to a married couple. A mom and a dad, they were married, they were having kids. 90% uh, of kids born in America were born to a mom and a dad. Sweet, awesome. Only 10% weren't. That's not perfect, but it's pretty close. By 1990, the statistic had dropped to 75% of kids were being born, okay? So now we have 25% of kids being born within the United States without a mom or a dad. By last year, 2013, it had dropped to almost 50%. It's at 52% of kids in the United States of America are born out of wedlock. Right? I mean... But hey, sex has nothing to do with marriage. And so let's have a ton of sex. Wonder how, how do we have kids? What happened? How did, how did this happen? They should find out, we should get the doctors. What happened? Uh, you probably hung out with someone a little too long that night. The co-author and, national of, and the National Marriage Project director Bradford Wilcox said, what people often don't realize in the moment is that children born outside of marriage are significantly more likely to be exposed to a revolving cast of caretakers, and the social, emotional, and financial fallout associated with family instability and single parenthood is catastrophic. We're told, no, sex before marriage is fine. 97% of America will not wait. Can't wait. Doesn't sound fair to me, to be honest. And then we wonder why everything's all messed up and inside out and backwards. You know that 80% of people who cannot have kids, this is crazy, crazy, crazy. 80% 80% of people, right? So they're running around, they're in their teens and early twenties. And so they're running around and having all these different relationships and they hooking up with her and him and they're having fun. They're like, okay, we're going to take it serious now. I probably shouldn't have done that, but Hey, um, didn't have a kid. So that's cool. Let's get married. Uh, I'm going to pledge my allegiance to you. And yes, this I know. Amen. Okay. Uh, let's get married and you get married and all of a sudden, why can't we have kids? How come we can't have kids? We're trying to have kids. We want to have kids now. I'm getting my life straightened out. Eighty percent of marriages who cannot have kids have found out that it is due to contracting some type of sexually transmitted disease before they were married with someone else. They bring it into the marriage, try and have kids. What, they didn't know? Nope. Because most STDs only attack your like fertility organs, and they, you're not going to get sick. You're not going to get a cold. You're not nothing. You're just never going to have kids. And you'll never know until it's too late. 80% telling you sex doesn't impact a lifetime. It does in a big way. Put up the next slide. I think this is something put together for you guys. This is crazy. Kind of goes along with the whole big goal, double-double. Say a guy and a girl want to hang out, right? And they get real close, and they're like, hey, you know what? Um, we should hook up and then decide, you know what? That's it. We're, we're going to, we're going to go for it. I love you. I love you too. I think you're hot. So whatever. And they sleep together. But the reality is this day in culture, 97% of people not waiting until marriage sleep with at least an average of four people every seven years. The problem is that when you sleep with someone, all of your chemical makeup of your body stays within that other person for seven years. Do you know that? Kind of crazy so you're carrying around their dna in your bloodstream and in your body and so you've slept with four people so now really when they're hanging out together they're exchanging eight people worth of uh information dna chromosomes all that crazy stuff but those four people also slept with four more people right oh shoot and this is only within three years this is an average of seven years so those four people, or all of those people also slept with four people and So now when these two people are gonna get together, everything going on in their bodies is 167 people worth of information being crammed together and introduced to one another. And we wonder, how come come bad stuff happens? (laughs) Well, I didn't sleep with anybody. I've been fine. It only takes one. That's 167 people worth of history being introduced to each other. More than 80% of marriages that wait. This is awesome. So awesome. Go to the next slide. Uh, You obviously have a happy couple and a not so happy couple. 80% of people who wait. Guys, 80% of people who wait until marriage make it. They have a 20% higher satisfactory of marriage. They love it. Awesome. Enjoy it. Better communication. Uh, They actually like kissing each other more because they never kissed anybody else. So, hey, this must be awesome. This is the best it's ever been. This is the best it's ever going to be. I love you like crazy until death do we part. Literally is what they mean. Literally is what happened. 80% of marriages that wait until their wedding night, they make it all the way to the end. So if you would tonight say, you know what? Tonight is the night I am going to pledge. I'm waiting for my wife, or I'm waiting for my husband. There's no way. You, just by doing that, have an 80% chance of making it all the way to the end, growing old together. That's awesome. You're in. You look to Jesus. It's good. You introduce one other person to this statistic, and it drops to a 50-50 shot. 50-50. 50-50. You have no idea. You may as well just toss a coin. Oh, heads, we're going to get divorced. Tails, guess we'll make it. You go on from there, you find three to five people. It goes down to something like 37%. More than that, drops like 25% chance of making it until the end. Isn't it funny? We say sex and no one wants to talk about it. And yet it's probably the most destructive force in America that's most widely accepted, destroying homes, destroying marriages that haven't even begun yet. I don't know about you, but I don't, I've never heard of safe sex that actually exists. Well, I didn't get sick. Fine. But your spirit is dying. You can protect your body all you want. This is not just a physical thing. It is a physical thing that gets real spiritual real quick. 1 Corinthians 6.13 So now the body is not for sexual immorality. It's not for this. Your body is not for this stuff, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body belongs to Jesus Christ. It's not made to use for sin. It's an instrument of righteousness. It goes on just a few verses later in verse 18. It says, flee, run from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. No matter what you do, it's outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Something happens on the inside. It is a spiritual thing. You can try and practice as much safety as you want. You are tearing yourself apart. It was never intended to be that way. Last thing tonight. This could go in so many different directions. Guys, God's for it. You just got to wait for it. It's to be guarded. You've got to guard it. Guard what? You're not just guarding an evening or an act. You're not just guarding something called purity. You're guarding the rest of your life. You're guarding your wife. You're guarding your husband. You're guarding your kids. You're guarding your grandkids. You're guarding your marriage, your home, everything. 1 Thessalonians 4 Tells us, for this is the will of God. It's your sanctification. It's what sets you apart and makes you different. That you should abstain or remove yourself from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. Basically, you own your emotions. You own your drives. Your drives do not own you. You own it all in sanctification and in honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. When you have a bunch of believers running around, sleeping with each other, you have people acting like unsaved people condemned to hell. We're not to be like that. We're made in the image of God. This is close to where we're going to end. But look, imagine this. right? Well, how do I know if he loves me? He'll wait. That's how you know. He'll wait. If he won't wait, he won't. If you won't wait, you probably won't be around very long. Here's the deal: if you can fall in love with someone without sex, imagine how great your marriage will be after. Right? It's kind of crazy. First impressions. First impressions are huge when we talk about introducing sex into a relationship. It is huge, catastrophically huge. So much so, this, okay? For a guy, the way it works is their first few uh, circumstances in which they choose to have sex, it makes some kind of impression in their mind. And that is what they will have in their mind for the rest of their lives. They'll be pursuing that very thing. And so a guy that has this first impression of uh, her and then her and then her and, and kind of running around and doing the fun thing for a while, even when he gets married, the only thing his mind will want is to run around with other people for a while. It won't turn off when he's married. It impresses itself into his mind. Now imagine this. The first time he ever has sex is with his wife on his wedding night, and that impression is she rocks. She's amazing. I love this lady. Then for the rest of his life, the only lady he's ever chasing after is his wife. That's awesome. And for girls, this is crazy. It's not the same. You're different. For girls, when they engage in this kind of a relationship, there's some kind of chemical thing that happens in your mind and it releases this hormone and it creates this crazy bond between you and whoever it is. That's why you're blind. But he beats me, but he loves me. No, he doesn't. He abuses me, but I know he loves me. No, he doesn't. But here's the problem. Every time it's another person that your mind releases a little bit less of that chemical. And the next relationship, a little bit less of that chemical. And the next relationship, less. And pretty soon, there's no bond to anybody. And you show up to your wedding day with literally nothing left to give. And we wonder, 97% of people won't wait till they're married. Why is there so many people getting divorced? Imagine this though, she waits till her honeymoon, right? All of a sudden, there's a bond to that man, that husband. She'll fight to the death for him. It's incredible. I think this is where I'm going to bring it to an end. I read today there's someone's stance. I thought they were pro-waiting for a while, and then it realized, oh, no, he's, he's, he's actually a guy making fun of girls who don't wait, or who do wait, sorry. Like, you wait till, okay, fine. If you want to wait till you're married, that's fine, but you're going to you're gonna be pretty alone in that stance and there's probably not too many guys who are gonna to wanna to talk to you, is what he said. Girls, if you wanna wait till you're married, that's fine, I guess, but you're probably not gonna have very many guys interested in you, so good luck. Is it true? It's true. But when you go panning for gold, isn't the whole goal to get rid of the dirt so you can find the nuggets? If you say, hey, I'm waiting for marriage, you just got rid of all the dirt bags. Right? Literally. All of them. Gone. And so you have all the good guys left to pick from. And guys, same thing. When a girl is way too easy, she doesn't have much left to give. If we become a culture who believes that sex and marriage have nothing to do with each other before marriage... I don't, have to, I don't have to be faithful to my wife. I'm not married yet. Why do you think you would be faithful to your wife when you do get married? If we believe sex and marriage have nothing to do with each other before marriage, why do you think they'll have something to do with each other after marriage? It's crazy. You know what's amazing, though? In this room, there's a lot of history and a lot of past. I don't know it all, but I know it exists. I know there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of regret, a lot of oh my gosh, a lot of now what? A lot of I wish I knew this. A lot of it was out of my control. Well, something's pretty cool about our God. He says, Look at with me all things are made new. That tonight that when you give yourself to Jesus, regardless of what your past is, your present can be made new. It says, I make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things have passed away that you are made whole and you are made new tonight, right now in this place. Can he do that? I cannot explain how he does that, but I know he does that. I've experienced it in my own life that God can take someone crazy broken and make them fully whole. How does he do it? I don't know he is God he's holy he's perfect he's sovereign he is love and he can do it he wants to do it first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 as it has been written I has not seen your ear has not heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him guys tonight God loves you